where are they now? The Houston Texans have played football since 2002. Some were here for a long time, others shorter. But all who suited up for the Texans have a unique journey before, during, and after their stint in Houston. It's time to catch up with a former Texan and find out where are they now. Former Texan, David Anderson, wide receiver in the NFL for six years, five and change of those are with the Texans, joins me now. Where are they now? David, you're in front of, the, you're in front of a blue shed. What's going on, man? Where are you now? What are you I, I'm in El Segundo, California. I live in Manhattan Beach, California, but not too far from my hometown, Thousand Oaks. Uh, I run a company called Breakaway Data, which helps uh, athletes uh, collect and utilize their data in uh, performance. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Moneyball dork now, which is great. Um, uh, finished ball, went to school, and I've been doing this ever since. And I think some people who just who maybe don't know you would say, oh, that's that's kind of a weird transition for people who have been around you. That's not an odd transition at all. You always had something going on upstairs in between your ears. You were always kind of a, I don't know, curious player when you were in the league. You kind of took an interest in a lot of different things and did a, mm -hmm. a lot of different. How did you, though, segue from the NFL into that? Yeah, so um, I was always taking advantage of the NFL, what were called BM&E programs, business management, entrepreneur programs. Um, at different uh, graduate schools. So I did the one at Kellogg, Wharton, um, and Stanford. Um, and then when I finished ball, went back to school. Uh, you know, my mom was a little disappointed, disappointed in me that I picked Colorado State over some better schools. I won't say which ones. Um, but uh, so I went back to graduate school, got my MBA, um, focused on data science. My dad was an engineer. Um, so I had that side going on. I was always good at math in high school. I was kind of the dork that was in the math mod competitions and whatnot just took a liking to it. And then I think more than anything, I knew I wanted to be involved in sports. I wanted to be involved in ball. Um, I didn't have enough uh, stones to go back into the coaching world and kind of do that whole thing as, as, as much as I admire and I'm jealous of those guys. That, that's always uh, something I wasn't willing to do to myself or my family. And then I knew I wanted to do some form of media. Um, so I've been, I've always dabbled in kind of that stuff, but I feel like yeah. data gives me an interesting kind of storytelling aspect of the media, media play, instead of just being a pundit and kind of saying my opinion kind of gives me a little more, um, base in my opinion. So I've been doing that for a while and, uh, it's been a success and it's been a lot of fun. Although you might think every now and then when Danny Amendola runs around in, in 89, that that's me, <laughs> you know, I, he was a roommate of mine back in the day. No. Okay. So that's interesting. You bring that up because my first year working for the Texans was 2009. This is one of your best years with the Texans. And before you guys played the Rams in St. Louis, I was down on the field shooting some photos for a, a pregame photo slideshow. And I had come from Lubbock. I'd worked there for four years. So I'd covered Danny and I covered mm -hmm. him in the kind of the pre-draft process. He was hoping he'd get drafted. I don't know that he was necessarily thinking, Hey, I'm definitely, but I covered it and I, and mm -hmm. I covered him gave him a bro hug and you were actually warming up and you're like, oh, those two guys talking about it. And you came over and started chit chatting with them. And it was just kind of cool to see, I think an appreciation because you were sort of an undersized receiver. Yep, as well. yep. we, we have, we have a bond, you know, yeah, it's like when yeah. two deers recognize each other in the wild. Um, <laughs> we, uh, we had seen each other. I mean, I, I was in your, when I met Danny for, uh, it was, it was really the lockout year, 2011. Yeah. Um, Julian Elman, Danny, and myself uh, were kind of roommates or, or living all in the same city. Not Julian that. and I were roommates. Um, I just saw the work, ec worth ec work ethic of those guys, the determination. Um, they were all about ball. You know what I mean? I, 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 I knew they had a chance. You always got to have a little bit of luck on your side. 
Yeah. Um, and um, they took advantage of every opportunity given to them and more. Uh, they earned everything that those guys got because they certainly, you know, Danny and Julian, not to pair those guys together, but Danny has certainly earned everything that's come his way. So sure. uh, hats off to him. He's had a still having a great career, you know, comes in, shows up what, on Tuesday, scores a touchdown on Sunday. So um, I'm, 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 I'm proud of him. So I'm happy to say I know him. Yeah, it was awesome to see. And I mean, it was it was not surprising. If you know that guy, it was not surprising. It's funny. Not to make this all about Danny Amendola because we want to be about you, but my last little add-on to it was I was talking with him last week, and he said the first snap I was in the game, I knew the ball was coming to me. And it wasn't a touchdown. It was on the first drive, and he, he caught like an eight- or nine-yarder. But he said he knew the ball was coming to him just because mm-hmm. of what he'd seen and uh, all of that in the background. So I'm sure he's got a little bit of the matrix going on in there. He's been there amazing? a long time. He sees what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it, it happens for every athlete at, at some point in their career when you've been yeah. there long enough where – um, the speed of your legs is, 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 is fast enough, which where Danny is and the speed of the game is slow. So you can take advantage of those situations. You just got to hope that those don't, those don't flip flop ever. Yeah. Hey, analytics, uh, that's a very wide ranging word. It covers a lot of different things. What exactly are you doing analytics wise? What, what does your company do? Yeah. So, um, our focus is, is, is helping the athlete better, first better understand and collect their own data. Right. I think a simple way to describe it is mint.com for athletes uh, performance data. Right. There's Apple Health Kit and there's other things that, that collect your data and information. What we do is we help an athlete better understand how their off field uh, performance affects their on field performance. Right. And Apple Health Kit doesn't tell you about your yards, your targets, your pre- catching percentage and stuff like that, what you value from an athlete perspective. So we bring that money ball uh, aspect to, uh, to, to an athlete. Right. For forever, it's been sold to teams. And they've certainly taken advantage of that situation. Um, and, and we've helped a lot of teams along the way. But now I want to kind of pivot and focus to athletes, um, helping them better understand and get more use out of their data. Because I think when, you know, kind of like the rising tide raises all ships, uh, yeah. if we can increase the data literacy and competency of, of athletes, help them use their data for more information, help them with their performance. And, and, and we've all seen like with GDPR and all this stuff like da- your data is yours. How can we help an athlete get more of it that, uh, and, and maximize it? That's our whole, our whole thesis. That's awesome, man. That's really cool to hear. And congratulations on the success and best of luck to more success down the line. Let's rewind it though, back to when you're coming out of Colorado state, highly productive uh, receiver for the Rams, you get picked by the Texans. You're in one of the best drafts, probably the best draft in franchise history. What was that day? Like when you got selected, did you think, Hey, I got a chance to go in there because of kind of the, the sort of Colorado state mafia that was uh, happening here in Houston at the time. Or what was that day like for you? So I started the mafia. You can call me the Tony <laughs> Soprano of the uh, Colorado state mafia. That was at CSU for a little, or at, 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 on the Texans for a while. Um, you know what? Like you go through the process in your mind during draft day. And now I was picked 251. So I had a lot of time to think and go through a lot of kind yeah. of uh, things. I wasn't like Mario pick number one. Um, so I remember the different coaches talking to me. I remember the different, um, uh, teams. I remember the different, what agents had told me, what my agent had told me, all these different things. I'm trying to weigh this as, as draft picks, you know, come and go as guys that I thought or knew that I was much better than got picked ahead of me. Um, you just, I just felt this, you know, the, that chip on your shoulder grow and grow and grow. And, you know, I was getting more frustrated and then I remembered, uh, so six round comes along and uh, the Denver Broncos call me and they say, hey, if you don't get picked up uh, in the seventh, we're going to bring you on as a free agent. And they had just uh, taken Brandon Marshall. And I was like, well, 
I don't know if that's a good fit for me. And then I was kind of looking and my agent and I got on a phone call and he's like, Hey, here's all right. I think your three teams are, if you don't get picked up, they're all offering good deals. Da, 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 da. I was like, all right. So, um, so then the phone rings and I thought it was going to be an agent and who, who was going to be. And it was coach Kubiak. And he's like, Hey, we're this is uh Kubes. We're going to pick you up here in the seventh round. And I was like, all right. And I remember when I finished my 40, like at that time, I, I it clicked for me at that time. When I finished my 40, Coop told me, hey, if you're available late in the draft, we're going to pick you up. Now, they didn't have a sixth round. They either didn't have a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick. I don't remember which one it was because Wally Lundy, I think, I don't know if Wally Lundy was fifth or sixth. Um, but we went Mario Williams, D'Amico Ryans, Eric Winston, Chester Pitts, um, Owen Daniels, Wally Lundy, and myself. And well, Chester was Chester was an original. I'm not Chester Pitts. Yeah, um, I know. It's um, Charles, Charles Spencer. Spencer. Charles he was a Spencer. good, he was a good. Boy, he was off to a great start and then and anyways, broke his broke yeah. his leg. But yeah. Um, but anyway, so like I remember getting picked up and, and then immediately thinking, like, all right, here we go. And then the phone hung up, and then the next phone call I got was Joe Joe Marciano was like, Are you ready to play special teams? You're ready to run out on kickoff and cause help. And I was like, No, I want to catch passes and score touchdowns. But of course, when you're <laughs> drafted, you're like, Yeah, I'll do whatever it needs, coach. Da, right. da, da, da. And, and uh, and you quickly learn when you get to the NFL, you know, what I mean, I think what's crazy is that you get drafted, at least that's how it was back then. The dates were a little different now. You get drafted and then like two weeks later, you helmets on practicing. Yeah. And you quickly realize how little you know about football. Right. And that like you're in a you're with a group of grown men who've been doing this for a profession and like you are just following what the script says or whatever and it doesn't look like that once the you know once once the the humans are actually running around and you're yeah. like well all the dots on the page are the same size except that guy's six seven 290 <laughs> pounds and this guy's like the fastest human i've ever seen in my life that his dot moves faster than mine so um you got to find out who you are and, and find your fit pretty, you know, pretty quickly otherwise you'll find your way out of the locker room yeah and a lot of noble guys thousands of them over the years have not survived that may you know, like they're, yeah. they're gone or that summer. Yeah. You stuck around in the end and you were an active on the active roster through six years. I mean, yeah. you were there at a time too, that was very, very, uh, it was a turning point in, in franchise history because they never won. You nope. get there that first year's tough, but then next year, the year after you get to 500, which that was a big deal. Year after that, you guys win Had nine a chance. games and, and Had a when, chance. yeah when you walk off the field that day you still are in the playoff hunt depending on what happened later in the day that didn't happen but yeah you were you were part of a, a, a transition there texans wise what was that like seeing them kind of turn a little bit of a corner so to speak you know what it was looking back at it it's uh hindsight you know you, you wish you had a little more of that when you're um when you're playing and and whatnot like I don't think any of us knew we were part of that, right? You train year in, year out, and you always think you got a chance. Um, you, you, you put better players on your team, and you figure, like, you know, this might be another win or two, uh, but, you know, everyone does that. So uh, um, you, you quickly realize when you step out there that every Sunday it's, it's going to be tough. I think what really was really hard for us was to win those really close games. When you follow the NFL, and it doesn't matter who it is, you either consistently win or consistently lose those games that come down to a field goal in the fourth quarter or a possession here or there. And for a while we couldn't get over that hump and we got over it enough to be eight and eight, nine and seven. I think, you know, like you mentioned, I think we went eight and eight, like two, two of those years. Right. Um, but we weren't getting over that hump of, of, of winning those really close games consistently. You look at the elite teams when you roll off, you know, six, seven, eight wins in a row, they're, they're winning three of those games by a touchdown or less. And it's probably coming down to the last drive. Yeah. Sometimes even more. Yeah. 
Yeah. And so I think we, we, it took us a while to get over that um, and, and figure that out um, and just how meaningful every possession is in the NFL. Um, and uh, you know, that takes some maturity and, and it took, it took the guys in the locker room growing up and growing up with each other and realizing that the guy next to you has been through this situation. Um, and that was just something it, it, it took us a while to do. I also didn't realize how new the Texans were until I came back to California, my first and second year, you know, like, even my second year in the NFL, which would have been 2008, and the Texans would have been around for six years at that point, I'd tell you know friends or whatever I'd be at a restaurant. I'd be like, "What team do you play for?" I'd be like, "Oh, the Texans." Then I'd be like, "Oh yeah, you guys beat USC in the Rose Bowl." I'm like, "No, that's University of Texas." And then like, and they'd be like, yeah. "You guys are a real NFL team." I'd be like, "Oh wow, like we have you know what I mean it's different when yeah. you're like, oh I go to play for the Steelers and this team's had sure. this tradition for you know 50 60 years." Um, the Texans are getting there, you know what I mean? But they're no longer a team that people don't know of or recognize, but we were, we were, you're right. Going through that kind of like teen, almost like it wasn't teen because yeah. we weren't around that long yet, but it is those teenager years where you're trying to find your identity, who oh, you certainly. are as, as an organization. Hey, on a personal level, you just discussed how you get out there for the first time and you're, you've kind of got wide eyes. When did you think, Hey, I belong here or I can hang there. Did you ever not think that? What was that like for you? Was there a moment that made that happen? I tell you, I was confused my second year. I got cut my second year. I thought, I thought I knew my second year and I got cut and then I immediately got brought back uh, that, that second year. Um, and so that's when I, that, that set me back about a year, even my third year in training camp, I was announced as the third receiver and that I was going to be taking all the slot roles. It felt like it was something that I was constantly fighting to hold on to. And I think that um, that just reminded me how tough it was to stay in the NFL. So I can't say only in games that I feel comfortable, right? Like I felt like every practice, every, every training camp, I was fighting for a spot. And I, I don't think that that's not everyone, you know what I mean? That's, but that is for about, 43 of the 53 guys on a roster sure. right? everyone's you know there's about 10 maybe 15 guys that know are confident enough that even if they have a a decent training camp they're going to be starting i that was never an option for me i had to have a lights out training camp i had to be there every day I had to show up at, at practice and perform um and uh, i think that's something that has definitely helped me out as i tra transition out of sports because i didn't have to be like that at colorado state i certainly didn't have to be like that at high school i could not practice four out of five days in high school and show up and have four touchdowns same probably at Colorado state, but that wasn't, that wasn't who I was in the NFL. I wasn't Andre Johnson who could take, you know, Wednesday, Thursday off practice, go through the walkthrough and then still come out and have an amazing catch against the dolphins and beat yeah. them in overtime or something like that. So um, kind of like what I mentioned, you quickly learn who you are in the NFL. And that wasn't who I was. I, I, I did get comfortable in games. I can't remember a, like a, a kind of like, like I was mentioning about Amendola matrix moment against the Seahawks. Right. Um, that in 2009 year, uh, where I had a choice route, I knew he was inside leverage, but he would fall for the South side move. Matt and I, Matt Shaw and I were on the same page. I was patient. He fell for the move. Boom. Got inside, had like a nice 35 yard gain. And I was like, ah, there it is. And I kind of <laughs> felt my felt my feet get under me a little bit. So it happens, but it, it certainly isn't like, you know, not never got to Tom Brady status where it's uh, just walking around, standing in the pocket out there. Yeah. You just bring up that matrix play that you had. Was that, that's not also your highlight is like, what's the, your most favorite memory, you know, on the field in a game with the Texans, is it? <sighs> you have one or are they many or. You know, I, I think I had many. I didn't really have, um, you know, I had some, 
pretty memorable touchdowns. Obviously, I have some silly Conan dance and stuff like that. I was, was going to come angles. up. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. Yeah. That, that. That always comes up. I always tell people I was planning on scoring a lot more touchdowns, so that would have been drowned out, and YouTube was just coming around. So sure. like, I, I wasn't sure it ended up on the YouTube, but I'm, I'm fine with that. Um, the you know what? It was funny. I got cut before we actually made the playoffs. So I wasn't in the locker room when we made that playoff team. But the most memorable game and team, uh, whoever part of it was when we went into Green Bay. Uh, it was December. It was probably negative three. And I was part of that last drive where uh, Chris Brown hit the game-winning field goal. I'll never forget walking into the huddle. And uh, everyone was kind of wide-eyed. And I look at Owen Daniels, and I was like, who wants to be a hero? And no one's like, I want to be a hero. I'm like, dude, we have a chance to like beat Green Bay at Green Bay in minus two degree weather. Like this hasn't happened before. And uh, we did it. And that locker room was special. It felt like, uh, felt like we'd actually accomplished something that hadn't been done in uh, franchise history before. Yeah. All right. You're back in Southern California. You're in one of the greatest spots in the world, Manhattan beach. It's an awesome place to visit. Awesome place to live. I'm sure if you're living there, um, what do you miss most though about the city of Houston from your time here? Cause you were here for a bit. Yeah. Um, well, I can start with the restaurants. Um, Los Angeles has good restaurants, but not in the kind of like spacing uh, that, that Houston has. Right. Um, I miss the space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, of beach towns are great, but my neighbor lives about this far away from where I do. Um, and the, uh, the traffic uh, is way worse out here than it is out there. Um, the weather is way better here than it is out there. So I don't miss the weather. Sure. Um, I'll tell you like the, the, the people of Houston, I think um, when I was there, it seemed like there was this kind of transition Katrina transition. There was a lot of more Southern kind of New Orleans flavor that came into Houston. And it was fun to see that city kind of evolve into the flavor that it is. Cause it's a lot different than any other city in Texas um and that like it's it's nothing like dallas it's kind of got a little bit of austin in there and because it's got the got the uniqueness and it's got the people have their own their own colorful behavior um, but it has a lot more of kind of that southern kind of draw that comes into people's kind of language and whatnot and so i do miss that you know in californians we have our own it's not something i hear because I, I probably sound like that but i do miss i do miss texans in general and uh, I, I do think what was fun about texans is that like they have a natural love and hate relationships with Californians, right? We're like the only them in New York, maybe Florida people too, are the only states that will just argue in terms of a state, which is better. It's not like anyone from Colorado is arguing with Texas on who's better, but Californians can argue with Texas. And I always enjoyed that kind of conversation and whatnot. And so, um, yeah, I'd say those, those are up there as the things I miss the most. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love Texas. I'm from here. I'm a Houstonian, but when the Texans played the Chargers a couple of years ago, I, I went and hung out with a buddy who's now living in California. And we met in the middle in Manhattan Beach. And I was like, I could live here. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I see why you're there. There's, yeah, there's no, uh, it makes no, it easy. No stunner there. Hey, how about <laughs> former Texans teammates? You keep, I'm, I imagine you still keep in touch with a few of them, don't you? Yeah, a bunch. Um, still really close with Eric Winston, really close with Owen Daniels. Um, Talk pretty frequently with uh, Andre, uh, Aaron Foster, uh, keep up with him. Obviously, Joel Dreesen, Mike Brizel from my college. Joel Dreesen yeah. just made it into the Colorado State Hall of Fame. So Good for Joel. Um, that, that, was, that was a big accomplishment for him. Um, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, D'Amico, you know what? Okay, so I always tell this funny story about my first year. I'll tell it really fast. Um, my rookie year, uh, we, were, we were sitting around. It's July 28th. We're sitting around. It's like this after the second day of camp. 
and Coach Kubiak says, hey, you guys, we got an announcement. Uh, it's someone's birthday here. We're really excited about him. Uh, he's been really contributing. Uh, we brought him in this year. We know he's going to kick. And I was like thinking, like, brought me in this year. It's, just, it's my birthday, July 28th. Yes, uh, <laughs> he's talking about me. Really going to kill. He's going to kill it, blah, blah, blah. He's going to start for us. He's going to dominate, blah, blah. Everybody give it up for Anthony Weaver. And so Weaver, so everyone claps for Weaver. And then someone, I think it was Cooper, or, uh, you know, Kevin Cooper comes up, or maybe it was Wiley comes up, whispers in Kubiak's ear, and he goes, oh, whoa, whoa, hold on, we got one more birthday. And I was like, okay, he's going to get to me. And he's like, uh, we drafted this guy. You know, we, we think the world of him. And I was like, oh, he's giving me all these compliments. You know, he's out here, you know, killing it, blah, blah. I think he's going to be a starter. He's going to be a leader for this team, da, da, da. Everyone give it up for D'Amico Ryans. And so to me, everyone's so I'm like, holy crap. Anthony Weaver, D'Amico Ryans, and then they didn't didn't shout out for my birthday. Seventh round pick gets no love, but it was a big bonding moment. So every year I text Weaver and D'Amico, happy birthday, and then they wait like a day to send it back to me because it was always a joke that like uh, Kubiak forgot the seventh rounder's birthday. But um, so I keep up with Weaver, um, D'Amico, um, you know, Stenovich, Stenovich uh, who played for us, who's now the offensive line coach in Green Bay. I talk to him uh, every now and then um remember Vaughn Hutchins played for us for sure. quarterback he was out for the Raiders I talked with Vaughn here and there um let's see I don't know you know sprinkled in and out there I've been uh you mingled you always mingled well at least as an as an observer you always mingled well with just about everybody in the locker room you're you kind of talked with and because it's not always like that you know you're, no. you're kind of some people are more to themselves and you uh you were good about that I always remember it seemed like you always had a really good relationship too with Jacoby Jones who I contend is a is a genius in the sense of he could go into a party that you're throwing, he could go into a party that I'm throwing, he could go into a party uh, that this guy off to the side is is he's working on the computer right here that he's throwing, and he would be the life of those any of those parties. Doesn't matter yeah. if your grandmother's party, he would be the life of any party he walked into. He's that type. Is isn't that an accurate statement when you say? We were both chameleons. I think he is definitely more of a life of a party as well as, well as I, I will, I will make him the life of the party. I'm right. a promoter. Um, but I could, I, I fit in those situations. I think that's why we both had a lot of friends throughout the locker room yeah. uh, and hung out and got along well, even though we were oftentimes competing for, you know, competing sure. for passes and competing for a spot on the roster. Um, he's yeah. I, I talked with Jacoby here and there. I haven't spoken with him in a while, but yeah, he is uh, in a similar way. I'll never forget. So he came, and he was the only black guy at a party one time. And he, he was like, I'm perfectly fine, blah, blah, blah. And we went and he killed it. Just like you mentioned, yeah. he was the life of the party. And then I went to like a receiver defensive line party and I was only white, or, uh, only, only white dude. And Jacoby and Andre are like, he'll be fine. Don't leave him. He'll be, he'll, he'll mingle. And so like, I, you know, I mean, there was always yeah worry about your teammates kind of some, every now and then because the, the real world is not like a locker room where sure. like it's a safe place to communicate. The locker room is a safe place to communicate, to be yourself, to, to say things you wouldn't otherwise say. Um, and some people are scared of that when they, when they get in the real world, but Jacoby and I, and, and there, there's certainly a lot of others um, that can kind of socialize in any situation, but yeah, I agree. Jacoby, uh, Jacoby couldn't be invited to my grandmother, grandmother's 97th birthday and he'd kill it. Yep. He sure would. So what's next for you, man? You know what? I want to turn this business to something big. Um, I, uh, I think sports data is a ripe industry. Uh, I think that uh, it takes the right person kind of uh, with the right attitude and, and, and kind of experience. And, you know, um, uh, I can be a nerd, but I'll always be a ball player at heart. And I think that's, uh, that's the key um, to have a kind of that uh, real kind of um, uh, spirit and ethos of the company. 
Um, so I'm excited to do that. Uh, you know, I got two, two kids now. Uh, oh, congratulations. I have a, I have a daughter that's, that's four, uh, Johanna, and I have a son, Vigo. Um, Vigo carries a shovel with them and hits left-handed, so I might be uh, doing a lot more baseball coaching um, everywhere I go, which is fine with me. And you, play, and you, played, you were a pretty good baseball player growing up. I was a pretty good baseball player, yeah. basketball player. Um, I kind of pick up all sports and then, you know, at Colorado state, you learn how to play all the, all the, all, all the drinking games as well. I can, <laughs> I can get around a shuffle ball, a dartboard or, or a beer pong table with the best of them. Um, and then, and then my wife's an actress. And so kind of just supporting the fam and, and what they want to do is certainly something I really enjoy as well. That's fantastic, man. I'm really happy for you. And, it's fun seeing the uh, success that you've had. It's been fun hearing you on the radio because you do pop in time to time. And uh, I got to give Pendergast and, yes. uh, and, and those guys some crap. You know, I mean, I don't think <laughs> they know what they're talking about half the time. Yeah, it's funny to hear you mixing it up. Well, listen, man, glad you're doing great. Can't wait to do this again with you sometime down the road. And uh, best of luck with the business. Best of luck with your kids. Uh, hope we're looking at the next Shohei Otani uh, there in, in Manhattan Beach. Sound good? <laughs> Vigo, you keep a, keep a lookout. Vigo Anderson, he'll be smashing, smashing homers. Two Gs so, or one G in Vigo? Two Gs. Two, two Gs. Gs. Two okay, Gs. good to know. Yep. That's yep. David Anderson, where are they now? <laughs>